This is the Health, Heal and Thrive podcast and I'm your host, Tracy McBee. Hello everyone, it's lovely to be with you for another episode of the Health, Heal, Thrive podcast. So today I thought I'd share with you an interesting question that was asked of me when I was I was a podcast guest recently. Um, I think the podcast is coming out next week and um, the question was asked, what does the healing mean in the health and healing coach? So I call myself the health and healing coach and I think most people understand what the health part of it means. But she asked me, what did the healing part of it mean? I thought that was a really interesting question. And I shared, you know, I suppose off the top of my head, what that meant to me and why I called myself the health and healing coach. And I've had a bit of time now to think about it. And I thought I'd share with you what the healing part of it means, because I think most people think of healing as coming from a place of brokenness that, you know, when something's broken, it has to heal. But it's not really how I see it. So I do think that we do have to heal a lot of us and that's, you know, a lot of the work that I do is helping people with their healing of their health, uh, mind and body. But I actually think what we're healing from is misunderstandings. I don't think in any way, shape or form any of us are broken, that we need fixing, that we're not born with everything we need. I think we are and I think actually what gets in the way is a whole lot of innocent misunderstandings. So that to me is actually what healing means. I I don't think I could call myself the health and misunderstandings coach. (laughs) So the health and healing is healing from misunderstandings. So what misunderstandings are we actually healing from? Well, I guess in my work and from my own personal journey of healing, you know, I've seen there are a few big ones that most of us uh, live in. And I certainly lived in a lot of misunderstandings for most of my life probably, you know, unraveling them all slowly after over the last sort of eight to 10 years. But really, in the last five years, since I started teaching this, you know, I I guess my, my understanding of it has deepened to such a level that I live in new understandings now. And I know I've got nothing to heal from. Um, Well, I'm certainly not broken. I think I also know that there is always more to see and that for the rest of my life, I will sit in a place of curiosity and looking in the direction that I point my clients in to know that the richness of insight is infinite. Um, and we can see something at a certain level. And when we look at it in another way, we'll be taken to an even deeper level. And all of that will point back to the truth that we are born with everything we need. And all that gets in the way of that is a lot of innocent misunderstandings. So what are those? Let's start with a biggie. The biggest misunderstanding I believe we all live in as humans is that we work from the outside in, but we don't. We think that life works by, you know, what comes to us and we then um, are are reactive to whatever that is um, and a victim really to whatever that is. But it absolutely can never work that way. We actually work from the inside out and what that means is we take in information through all our senses and then our mind does an incredible job of navigating it for us based on our past experiences. So it comes up with a, a, a solution or an option or you know something that we can do um, to handle anything that comes our way in our day based on our past experiences usually. 
and anything any feeling that we sit in is a reflection of our own internal world and the outside world is a messenger it sends us things but when we don't know that we work from the inside out we actually don't say we have access to a huge amount of choice what happens is our nervous system responds we react and it feels very much like we are a victim to our outside circumstances that we don't have a choice in how we react and most of the time we react in a very habitual way so an example of that is you know someone cuts us off in traffic we'll automatically get angry at them you know our kids do something we'll automatically react Um, our husband doesn't do something we automatically react something happens in our life and we just react in a very automated way automated way in how we've probably done it for most of our life and unless we have insight um, around that being only one option we won't actually see that we have access to choice and this plays out in everything i do in terms of my job um, in terms of what we choose to eat what we choose to put in our body most of that is actually habitual so we think most of the time we're choosing we think most of the time we're consciously choosing the things we choose in each and every day but we're not 95 percent of what we choose to do in our day is actually from our subconscious mind and most of that is handed our patterns right from our parents largely and our culture and our community and the beliefs that are handed down to us that look like truths that we're not allowed to question we take all that in and when our mind is busy navigating the past trying to navigate the future instead of being present to the present moment what happens is that subconscious mind comes in and navigates it for us and chooses for us we're actually kind of like a passenger to that subconscious mind now that's all well and good for things that we want to do and things that help us so you know i'm talking about brushing our teeth i'm talking about understanding that the thing in the lounge room with four legs is a chair you know there's so much that goes on in our day that i'm grateful i don't have to relearn every day that you know my my subconscious actually understands it it's part of who i am and i just do it without even thinking about it because it works for me but what about the things that don't work for me what about when i make choices based on what others want me to make instead of making a choice for me what about when i continually choose to drink or eat rubbish that's making me sick even though i know it's making me sick but i don't make a different choice what about when i get angry at someone for not doing something that i expect them to do all these things happen in our day and you know how aware we are of how it works is going to impact how we react and how we relate to that and i'm talking from very very deep personal experience here i had no idea that i lived in the feeling of my thinking i didn't live in the feeling of the world right the world is actually very neutral and my mind is what puts the story to it and everyone's mind is going to put a different story to it depending on the experiences that they've had the beliefs that they've got the way their mind chooses to see it that is what we filter everything through and it comes from the inside we spend so much of our life trying to change the outside to fix a feeling inside or to get us something that we think is what we're searching for and usually it's peace of mind but peace of mind doesn't come from outside of you peace of mind comes from within you and it's actually you know having an awareness of what is possible inside of you and you know at my workshop on sunday i had two pairs of glasses one of them was brown i called them my poo glasses and one of them was was pink and i called them my rose colored glasses and i i showed my participants that we can choose the filter that we look through when we have awareness that we do but until we have that awareness guess what we're going to probably see we're going to see through the poo colored filters our mind is very habitual 
Our mind is very bent on trauma, drama and chaos. It's about navigating the bear and the uh, rival tribes that live around the corner that are always constantly trying to, you know, take things from us or kill us or attack us. But in the modern world, it keeps us stuck in that misunderstanding and, you know, making peace with your mind, understanding it, understanding that we are tribal creatures living in a modern world and that everything our mind does is probably going to be bent towards danger. We have that awareness and then we get to see through that misunderstandings and we get to understand it, we get to thank it and we get to consciously decide whether we pay attention to that or not as opposed to being a victim. As I was until I was about 43, I was totally a a victim to my habitual mind. Anything my mind said to me, any way it navigated the outside world, I followed it. And I also lived in a misunderstanding that it was others outside of me or the world or whatever you want to you know my car my house my kids my uh, my parents my anything outside of me was responsible for what I felt inside that is the biggest misunderstanding that we all live in that until we embrace we will not become truly the owner and the navigator of our own life and I truly believe the risk of that not doing that is when we wake up one day and we realize that we've lived a life that we we regret because we haven't consciously chosen to make the choices that we want to make. We've lived in this misunderstanding of how it works. So that would be one big, big part. And that is, it's like an onion. It is like an onion, sort of, but it doesn't end. It's like your your awareness of that is a layer by layer, process by process awareness and it only can take place when you decide that you are going to start getting present and you're going to start noticing and you're going to start looking at things that are very uncomfortable in that the way you react and instead of blaming the things that are outside of you you look in the mirror that is the only way you will truly be free you know it reminds me of an incredible book that was written by a holocaust survivor called um, man's search for meaning by victor frankel and one of the massive insights i got from that book um, among many was when he said everything can be taken from a man a human being anything can be taken from a human being except their ability to choose their reaction in any given set of circumstances and he talked about how in, you know, he saw in concentration camps Jews doing horrible things to Jews and Germans doing incredibly kind things to Jews, right? And I think that just goes to show that in any moment we are in, we can choose how we want to see it. We can choose how we want to react to it. But that takes a huge amount of courage and that takes a huge amount of practice. We can't just wake up one morning and decide, hey, I'm going to totally shift the way I'm seeing the world. First of all, we have to know that we're living in a misunderstanding. We have to have the courage to acknowledge it. And then we need to start to practice showing up to life and seeing before I react to anything, before I say something to somebody else, before I choose what I put in my body, before I um, continually overthink something or sit in a, in a level of anxiety or let my nervous system constantly go round and round and round. Before I do all that, I'm going to pause and I'm going to stop and I'm going to make a conscious choice as to whether I want to follow that or not. 
you have a choice. But most of you, like I was, are living in the misunderstanding that we don't. But you do. And really, you know, your job is just creating the space for you to see the access that you do have to choice. So that would be one of the biggest misunderstandings um, that I spend a lot of time in both my groups. And by the way, The Art of Thriving is open if you want to step into it for next year and, and really get a deep insight and understanding of all the misunderstandings, then, you know, you're welcome to. But I think the next big one is related to the other biggest factor that I think so many of us are living under a misunderstanding of, which is, you know, our diet and our nutrition. And we don't have awareness or we don't understand that what we eat is directly linked to the function of our mind, to the function of our body, and really to the feeling that we're sitting in most of every single day. So our thoughts are everything, but our thoughts are impacted by our diet and how well our brain can show up for us. You know, certainly up until I was diagnosed with prediabetes and fatty liver at 40, um, and that led me down a path of totally unlearning and relearning, you know, what I believed about nutrition and it totally changed the way that I felt in every day. I no longer was a victim to blood sugar drops, blood sugar roller coasters. Have you ever felt hangry? That hangriness is a, is a consequence of your brain struggling to get energy and your blood sugar dropping very fast. That doesn't actually feel good. Now, when you switch your diet over to eat real food, you understand that animal source foods, particularly red meat, are actually incredibly nourishing to your body and your brain. And you start including a lot more of those in your diet and slowly removing a lot of the stuff that damage. So I did Georgia, Dr. Georgia Ede is a nutritional psychiatrist. I did her course last year. And, um, you know, I learned she talks about what are the things that heal and, and what are the things that nourish our brain and what are the things that damage. So we need to nourish our brain by eating appropriate food for our human species. So remember, we are tribal creatures in a modern world and our ancestors were hunter and gatherers. They mainly hunted. They ate mainly animal source foods. And occasionally they will eat some maybe berry that was seasonal that didn't kill them because most other plants would have because they're very toxic. The further we move away from that, the sicker that we're likely to get. And that's mind and body. And it'll show up in things like cancers, diabetes, heart disease, simple things like brain fog. Alzheimer's is the long-term consequence of that. Obesity, poor metabolic health, and basically feeling like we have no energy in every you know, in the day at all. And then we, you know, we innocently reach to quick energy through processed foods, through carbohydrates, through alcohol, uh, and the vicious cycle continues because they do not give us the things that we actually need. So reversing all of that is very, very key. It was very key for me. It's very key for my clients and it really helps our brain show up for us. And when our brain shows up for us, we get a little bit more space to understand how our thoughts impact the feeling that we sit in, um, how our thoughts impact our nervous system. Our thoughts are the things that send our nervous system off on a spiral for us. But if we have a brain that is not getting the fuel it needs, so it's being damaged by either what we put into it in terms of processed foods, too much sugar, seed oils, so vegetable oils, uh, alcohol, drugs, those things damage our brain. And then the other factor that is our brain needs access to good quality energy. And we've been convinced, here's another misunderstanding, we've been convinced that it is glucose. Now our brain, parts of our brain do need glucose, but our body can make it when it needs it. 
Primarily, the premium fuel for our brain is ketones. And when we eat real food, we limit the crappy carbohydrates and sugars that we eat. Our body actually can make this fuel source called ketones. And that crosses that blood-brain barrier beautifully to help it function, to help it show up for us each and every day. So just on that, so uh, twice now, over two years, I've done some talks to some VCE students around thriving through VCE and beyond. And I talked in the context of the brain. You know, I asked them, do you want your brain to show up for you this year? Of course, everyone said yes. And, you know, who listening to this doesn't want their brain to show up for them? Um, So we have to understand what are the things that we need to do to help our brain show up for us. And that is things, as I said, like nutrition. So I talked about what damages and what our brain loves. Now, the other things our brain loves are um, moving. So everything in our brain is wired to reward us for moving. And yet for most of us in the modern world, we live in the misunderstanding that we sit, have to sit down a lot. You know, we're looking for comfort all the time. We don't like to push ourselves out of that comfort zone by doing something that's uncomfortable. But actually doing uncomfortable things in a safe environment is hugely healing for, for your body. So moving, when we, when we get caught up and we start to notice that we're sitting in a really uncomfortable feeling, we don't feel good, the best thing we can actually do is move, go outside, sit in the sunshine, walk in the sunshine, go for a run, do some squats, um, do something to reward your brain. And, uh, you know, it, you, will, you will subsequently change the feeling that you're sitting. Another big, um, you know, healing from a misunderstanding that I'm really doing a lot of work with, with my individual and my group clients at the moment is this understanding that we have to act first. If we want to change the feeling that we're sitting, we have to act. It's not just going to change, right? We got to get out of our head and into our day and actually do the things that will bring us a feeling that we're searching for. So if we're searching for motivation, we have to act. So I get asked all the time, how do you get motivated to exercise most days? Or how do you motivate yourself to eat well? How do you motivate yourself to hop in an ice bath most mornings? Well, I motivate myself by doing it. I am no longer living in the misunderstanding that I need to find the feeling to do it first. I know it matters to me. I know it's a part of um, nourishing my mind and body. I know it's being kind to me. I know it's a loving way to treat myself in knowing that the more loving I am to me, the more loving I am to everybody else around me. So because I know that, I don't have to wake up and wait for a feeling. A feeling will come after I have done it. So how many times have you, oh, you've not wanted to go to the gym or you've not wanted to go out for a walk and you know, oh, you've pushed yourself through this sludge of mental crap of that we think we have to push ourselves through instead of saying we don't have to pay attention to any of it. And you've gone and done it. And then guess what? Have you felt better? Well, that is because your brain is wired to reward you to move. So moving is another one for your brain. Um, sleep, right? Another thing that the modern world constantly disrupts for us with poor light with not getting enough sunlight in the morning and in the evening sitting on screens all day uh, with sitting at night with the bright lights on and the tv on and on our phones all of that actually inhibits our brain's ability to make a, a hormone called melatonin for and many other things but this is an easy one to understand it inhibits our brain's ability to make us sleepy and to help us sleep so how many times have you got into bed and you've noticed your brain is wired well 
that is because you haven't done the things to calm your mind. So you haven't dimmed the lights. You haven't gotten off your phone. You know, I don't get on my phone after seven o'clock off and I've got a night filter on my phone. You've had bright lights on. You've been stimulating your mind. You've been working into the night. Now I get it, you know, in, in some people's lifestyles, I probably have to do that. But there's the ways you can mitigate it. Get a red light filter on um, red light lights, red light filter on your computer or your phone and do your best to keep your circadian rhythm working for you. So get up with the sun, get some sun on your eyeballs. You know, when was the last time you got up and saw the sun rise? Try and see the sunrise and the sunset. Try and be outside. Try and move every day. Try and do these things that are designed to reward you. Now, your body knows how to sleep, right? All you kind of got to do is get out of its own way through really reversing the misunderstandings that you've got around that and making a conscious effort. Conscious effort. You know, again, we live in a world where we are told to just take it easy as often as we can. And everything is designed to make a lot of people a lot of money, um, but to keep us in the backseat of our own life. If you want something in life, you have to work for it. It's a simple fact. And I will teach, I've taught my five children that nothing good comes from easy, right? You have to push through, you have to challenge yourself. You know, that's what actually gives you what you're searching for, all those things sitting back and being a victim and just being at the mercy of what everything everybody else wants around you and what everything is thrown at you that doesn't actually feel good and it's not where the juice of life is found so you have a conscious choice every morning when you wake up right do you get up and are you a victim to your mind are you a victim to your circumstances do you live in that oh god I can't wait for the next holiday or I can't wait for Friday where I can sit on my bum and drink and, and eat crap and, and pretend to feel better but of course wake up the next morning feeling crap because of the consequences of not nourishing our brain and our brain struggling to get energy. Do we only live for certain moments or do you wake up in the morning and can you consciously decide to live for today and, and consciously decide that you get to choose the thinking that you pay attention to, that you are the creator, you are the navigator of your own life and you are the owner of that. If you're an owner of something, you are going to see something very differently to someone who is a victim. And an owner and a victim, there's so many layers to that. There's so many, you know, innocent misunderstandings that many of us live in, you know, from a victim perspective. But I would challenge you to look and to navigate one at a time and ask yourself, with this choice I'm about to make, is that a choice of an owner or a victim? One of my favorite books and, and something that I mentioned in the TED Talk I did this year around the number one regret of the dying. We need to, we need to think about this stuff because if we don't, we wake up one day and I'm telling you, the number one regret of the dying is I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not a life others expected of me. So this is another big misunderstanding that we live in that, you know, we can't be responsible for our life. We can't choose us. We can't choose to do the things that we want to do in the face of others choosing differently. We can't choose to change our diet. We can't choose to look after ourselves. We can't choose to become an owner because people are around us are living in a perception of who we are. The discomfort that's going to naturally come 
from your mind when you choose differently because there's a risk, right, to maybe being kicked from the tribe. There's a risk that someone might not love you. All of that is normal. But all of that keeps you trapped in the illusion that you cannot choose you. And if you don't consciously choose you each day, then who is choosing? Largely, it'll be your subconscious mind. And that's been handed down to you. You haven't chosen that. Or it'll be the fact that you've lived your life like I did as believing that you had to be the people pleaser, believing that everybody had to love you, otherwise you weren't safe. Now, you're safe, right? And you do not want to wake up at 70 if you're lucky enough to get to 70 and you're in good health metabolically because you've nourished your body. But you don't want to wake up at 70 and regret your life. You know, we got one shot. Like, I don't know what happens after we pass on, but I believe we pass on to a, another another dimension. I'm not afraid of dying and I'm certainly not afraid of living. And I think most of us live in that fear of living. But do we want to keep choosing that? That was a pretty long-winded, I guess, answer to why I call myself the health and healing coach. I heal people from a whole lot of misunderstandings and there are many. And you don't have to look at them all at once. But if you get present in your day and you start to notice, where are you living in a misunderstanding? Where are you looking to others to give you what is yours to give yourself? Where are you a victim instead of an owner? If you keep looking, if you remain curious, and if you remember that you have everything you need inside of you, that your true essence is love, that you were born with everything you need. And if you've forgotten that, go and look at a picture of yourself as a baby or go and look at any baby and you will be reminded that we are born with a pure essence of love. And the only thing in the way of that is a whole lot of misunderstandings. I hope that was helpful. I'll see you again soon. Bye for now. 